Hey folks, welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast. My name is Samuel Arora. I'm the host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. Joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who now works as an FIA accredited Formula One journalist for the Viaplay Network. And this weekend, Kunal, I I suddenly don't feel a great deal of excitement about it. I mean, how can you feel so excited when you've got your favorite Formula One driver of your childhood, Sebastian Vettel, retiring? And for me, he might be my favorite childhood driver. But the way he stands out as an elderly statesman of Formula One, as an icon of the sport, as this loving little dad sort of character who kind of does great for the world all the way across, like a living superhero in a way. Is there anything to look forward to for the Hungarian GP this weekend? Ever? Can there be something like that? Thank you for that introduction, Samuel. Well, it did take us all by surprise. You know, two things, actually. And strangely, some of the most uh, things to look forward to this weekend are now actually before the actual race on Sunday and something that's going to come after the race on Sunday as well. But we'll talk about the after the race uh, in a short while. But the first thing, he actually made an Instagram account. I never thought we would see Fettel on social media. And then he made the Instagram account to actually upload his retirement video, which also, fine, he's, you know, he's done that. He used a hashtag. I never thought Sebastian Vettel would ever use a hashtag. And in my mind, it was like the most unfettel-like way to announce a Sebastian Vettel retirement, you know. I thought he would probably, you know, write it down on a piece of paper, handwritten in a calligraphy, you know, pen which you dip in ink each time you write a few words and send it via airmail, you know, you know, lick the stamp and put it in the post, send it to Aston Martin, Formula One and, you know, whoever else uh, that he needs to. And then the team would actually receive the airmail after Abu Dhabi, hey, just because it was stuck in post somewhere. You know, it was it was lodged in, in some mailbox that the postman couldn't pick up. But yeah, you know, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's taken a few hours to talk in a lighthearted manner about the heavy news about, you know, Sebastian Vettel leaving. Yes, he's going. Never thought. I thought he'll be there at least till 2023, Samuel. Same. It's totally... Out of the blue, yet it isn't totally out of the blue because so many years at Aston Martin with an underperforming car, so many years at Ferrari, six to be precise, with a team that we can see can completely drain the hope out of you. I mean, it's enough to make a man want to leave the sport altogether and want to look about the other aspects of life. So unfortunately, that's happened. But no, see, I mean, in, in all honesty, it, it sucks because Sebastian Vettel stood out as such a great character for Formula One, such a great ambassador for the sport to have as well. And it's not like the performances were drying up as well. So we can't quite say that he's left on a bad note or he's a world champion where all the juice has dried up. It hasn't really happened. So, yeah, it's a bittersweet moment to take in. Sweet because he's had a great career, but bitter because, oh man, we won't be able to see him after the end of this year. And when I say we won't be able to see him, I mean that quite literally because I don't think Sebastian Vettel is going to be around in the paddock for a long, long time, Kunal. He's, he's just one of those people who won't be there. And that's what he kind of hinted towards in his retirement video, that I just don't like to travel. And for all we know, I think he could be the first world champion who completely disappears off the map when he's retired. Because that's the kind of person he is at the end of the day. I see that your dog is probably also a Fettel fan. You know, just when we spoke about how it feels, your dog decided to express, uh, you know, his, him or his or herself. But no, seriously... I think the only time we will see Fettel is in the Race of Champions, another series that he's really loved. And, you know, he's not won since the 2019 Singapore Grand Prix. And, 
you know, cue, just remember that because it's going to come up in pub quizzes uh, wherever you go next. But uh, he still has four world titles, which is incredible. Uh, he is the third highest in terms of overall Grand Prix wins for any driver just behind Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher. So just Sebastian Vettel-like. So this Sunday, which is the Hungarian Grand Prix, will be the 31st of July. And it was on the 31st of July 2007 when Vettel was actually announced to be racing for Toro Rosso in 2008, right? And by the end of the season in Abu Dhabi, it's going to be his 300th Formula One race, Samuel. Wow. Wow. Uh, 300 is a long, long time. It doesn't really feel like a long time, but there's so much about Vettel that we have to talk about in this episode. And hey, we also have to talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix. So we'll do that more in depth, but first a short break. Hey folks, welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast. And we were on the subject of talking about Sebastian Vettel. And this weekend, Kunal, obviously we can be still lucky that we've got half a season of Vettel for us to enjoy and to really, you know, feel feel fascinated about to see what he will do throughout when he's in that car, when he's driving for Aston Martin. But the one thing I'm actually fascinated to see is what kind of celebration Formula One puts in, or not a celebration, I don't think that's the right word, but a tribute of sorts. Because honestly, when a driver like this retires, and well, I actually said honestly, because it kind of slipped out when we're talking about Sebastian Vettel, one of his famous words. But hey, when you're talking about Sebastian Vettel, when you're talking about such a big champion of the sport retiring, something has to be done, right? So will Formula One be prepared enough for that? Will we see some sort of gesture or sign or some celebration of sorts? I'm very keen to see how Formula One reacts to this as a whole. I think to start with, we will have every driver in the paddock expressing his views his emotions towards Vettel, his career, his records, and the very fact that he's no longer going to race in Formula One uh, in 2023. So that's something more immediate. But I think more celebratory might come closer to the end of the the season. You know, Aston Martin has already said that they're going to give him an incredible send-off. And, uh, you know, it's probably going to be, we're going to have to wait a few more races before all the tributes start pouring in and, and the likes. And uh, you know, the one thing I'm going to miss the most about Fettel, at least the most recent thing that I'll miss is, you know, the Mick and Sebastian bromance or the Smick bromance, as, you know, people would call it on, on social media. So that's something I'm, I'm going to miss. But yeah, if, frankly speaking, I, the one thing I won't miss is watching him exit Q1 or watching him really battle the Q1 elimination time and time and time again. I think it's, like you said at the start of the show, Samuel, some things that just wore him down, not having a competitive car. And, you know, then then we all know. I mean, we've, it's, not, it's not the future. It's the immediate past that we're talking about. Yep, exactly. But with Sebastian Vettel as well, the one thing I remember the most is just how how much I used to hate him back in the day because... Oh, he used to win all the time. And of, of course, as a five-year-old kid, you tend to look at the guy who's winning all the time and you really enjoy it. But it got to a point where it really got boring. But later you realize, oh, this is a great person who's actually done so much outside the sport. And, and then you start to resonate with him. So that element of Vettel really genuinely stands out for me. But you're right. It'll be refreshing not to see him go out in Q1. If anything, 
Yeah, but if we, if we all love Sebastian Vettel so much, we'll actually be glad that he'll be able to spend time with his family and be able to do things that he really likes. But for all things, I'm just having one thought in my mind, not really the most appropriate one, but can we now claim that Lance Stroll has now retired a four-time world champion and an almost world champion as well? So he's on that list, Kunal. He's, he's growing in prominence. Who else do you think is going to retire anymore? Because I don't think he's ever leaving that Aston Martin seat. Who joins him next year? That's the bigger question as well now. That's something very impressive on Lance Stroll's limited CV, I would say, right? But no, on a more serious note, Aston Martin first thought they only had a car headache to sort out for next year. But now it seems that they're going to actually have a driver headache to sort out. And I love the timing of all of this. You know, usually Hungary is by when the silly season rumors start and then Belgium Monza and you know I know between Belgium and Monza we've got Sanford but that's when some announcements happen and now I think it's going to be the silliest silly season ever you know people would have imagined that Fettel is going to continue those were all the indications they gave they being team and the driver but suddenly there's a seat opened up suddenly all the drivers uh, with millions of dollars uh, of sponsorship money have probably offered uh, an already very rich land stroll a lot more money to drive for the team as well but no but on a more serious note you know aston martin needs a headliner name they 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 got sebastian vettel because of his legacy and you know and what he brings to formula 1 uh in terms of you know somebody able to take on that same step forward in Aston Martin yes Nico Hulkenberg super sub there's Felipe Drogovic he's been rumored to be uh, you know their uh, development test reserve driver whatever you call it but the truth is they I don't know if there is a big name out there they they can sort of sign on unless they convince Kimi Raikkonen to sort of make his third comeback to formula 1 Samuel yeah and and Kimi might not do that because he's retiring for... He's, he's actually retired for the same reason that Vettel has family time at the end of the day. But with Aston Martin, it's it's a bit of a conundrum now. Where do you go to? Had Vettel retired his... Uh, had announced his retirement a few weeks ago, maybe you could have looked towards Pierre Gasly and maybe had that negotiation over there. But hey, that's that's all, that's all just speculation now. We just have to wait and watch to see what happens over there. But... Yeah, and speaking of Vettel, actually, there's just one thing that I really remember about him and really love about him is just in his Ferrari days when he was actually guiding the team along and radioing everything. And radioing while, of course, driving the race. And he was just directing Ferrari about what the strategy should be. And Carlos Sainz has kind of taken up that mantle and directed Ferrari about the penalties that they're getting right now as well. But it just brings us on to talk about Ferrari because now we are seeing Carlos Sainz getting in that flow, getting in that momentum after France, where the pace was genuinely real. So the pressure is on them, Kunal, now. The, the ball is in Ferrari's court here in Hungary. They desperately need a big win right now after what happened last weekend. So... I'm just very keen to see how Vettel's old team eventually end up delivering, especially in qualifying, because it's so crucial over here. Could that be what Sebastian Vettel does next, Sommel? You know, sign on to be a consultant at Ferrari and guide them through. You know, that's what Michael Schumacher did. And, you know, we know just how much uh, Seb actually looks up to Michael as well. But yeah, on a more serious note, Ferrari have all the pressure on them. They have even more pressure after Matteo Binotto said, I don't see why we can't win the next 10 races. And Matteo Binotto has also said that they want to get a 1-2 in Hungary itself. So there's a lot of pressure internally, a lot of pressure from the media and so on. But before we actually move on to Ferrari, you guys remember I said there's one more thing that I'm really looking forward to after the race and that is 
the announcement of Porsche actually signing up to be a partner with Red Bull Racing. Uh, There have been documents filed, so it's more now a case of when they make the announcement rather than if. But we will actually speak about that when the announcement actually happens. So for now, we are back to talking about Ferrari and the pressure and the one-two that everybody is hoping will come up this weekend, Saval. So you asked a good question. I mean, indirectly, you said, Mattia Binotto said, I don't see a reason why Ferrari can't win the next 10 races. But you know what? Let's actually do that. Let's actually find out the reason why, or find out reasons why Ferrari can't win the few next few races. So my question to you, Kanal, what can Ferrari get wrong this weekend? I have got a few points on my list, but where do you think they can go wrong? Because it, this list can literally be endless. Where, where, where do we begin? I'm going to first list down everywhere they have gone wrong, right? So reliability has, of course, been a problem. Strategy has been a problem. Pit stops have been a problem. Driver errors have been a problem. What else could happen? And of course, this is now where we get we put on our silly hats uh, because it, you know, we also know it's the silliest silly season, like we spoke about. Yeah, but on on my silly hat, I would say Sommel. They'll just end up driving to the wrong circuit. Next thing you know, they're not in Hungary, but on a circuit nearby because all the European circuits are nearby or they get the wrong drivers in the in the wrong car. So Carlos drives car number 16. I don't know. I mean, it just seems that anything and everything that could go wrong will actually first go wrong at Ferrari. And just there's such little confidence sitting outside. And can you imagine for the drivers who are sitting inside? I mean, Carlos is going to drive out saying, oh my God, if I get a penalty... Uh, There's one more reason to not get a penalty because my team might just misunderstand the penalty. (laughs) Exactly. And adding to that list, it can possibly happen that Ferrari may not be able to get the car started like Alpine has done before or and they might end up making the classic Ferrari mistake and classic only because it happened once, but it was so memorable when they forgot to fuel Felipe Massa's car. And if I'm not mistaken, that also happened at around a similar time of the season in 2008. Seven, wasn't it? 2007, I think it was. So, yeah, it's, it's all possible with Ferrari. You, you never can really tell. Or perhaps, Gunal, the slow button could fail, if that even could be a thing. Or maybe they could engage it during the race. But with, <laughs> with Ferrari, the pressure is on Charles Leclerc specifically. Because after his mistake last weekend, he's openly come out and said, well, I can only blame myself for this. Which means that this weekend just becomes an even bigger weekend on the whole. Because now he is the person who has the ball in his court. He has to deliver. And with Hungary, it's a track that's very qualifying dependent. So if anything, maybe if the confidence is right there, it it could potentially suit Ferrari. But again, that's just a very wild guess. Where would you look at this whole situation? I mean, how would you look at this whole situation? It is a Ferrari track, at least, you know, with the tight and twisty circuit that everyone's talking about. Another buzzword we will hear this weekend, it's Monaco without the walls. I've been hearing that for the last 500 years that, you know, Hangaro Ring has been hosting a Formula One Grand Prix. So that's going to be something that we look forward to. But no, but in all seriousness, it seems like a circuit that is designed for the F175, the Ferrari 2022 Challenger. So it all goes to see how uh, Ferrari are able to extract all that they can uh, from their package, from their car, have an error-free weekend on the pit wall, in the pit stops, in the cockpit, and then go ahead and take a few solid results. Because, uh, you know, for the 2022 season to remain entertaining, to remain competitive, we need Ferrari to now strike back and take a few points off Max Verstappen. Because at this moment, it's not 
pressure Max, it's pressure Ferrari, it's pressure Leclerc. And uh, let's just wait and see how that all eventually unfolds, uh, Sommel, this weekend. They have to win this weekend. And if they really can, they need to squeeze a 1-2, period. I find it amazing that even though Red Bull and Ferrari both have a very similarly matched car in terms of design and the performance that we're getting to see, it's always Ferrari who are who are under the speculation of all of us in terms of, oh, what can possibly go wrong? Uh, it's just something that they can learn from Red Bull, right? How are they so spot-free and so error-free? But one, one little blemish on Red Bull season came in here last year when Max Verstappen actually couldn't quite finish the race. I mean... In, in the top three, he actually finished P9, if I'm not mistaken, after that first lap incident. So it's not like Red Bull Racing have a clean, open record over here. But in fact, it doesn't actually really matter if you have a bad record over here in terms of qualifying as well. Because if I'm not mistaken, here's a stat from F1 Stats Guru, who's just come up with this. And he also will be someone who will be listening to in a couple of minutes. But he's also said that the driver starting third has won the most races here than driver starting second. So the driver starting third has actually won eight races. And the driver starting second has won six. So if anything, if you have a bad qualifying, which is unlikely with Red Bull Racing, but still, it could possibly work out in their favor. But passing a traditional canal has been a bit of an issue because Sundaram also points out that there have been just 21 overtakes on average over here since 2017. But I get a feeling that with these new cars, it will change. But Hungary in general as well, even though we've had less overtakes, it doesn't mean that we have a bad race because for as long as I can remember... Hungary hasn't quite given us a bad race at all. I mean, last year was an absolute gem. The years before that, we saw this amazing strategy battle between Mercedes and Red Bull Racing. And we've always, always seen some great racing over here, just like we saw with Magnussen and Hulkenberg back in 2017 as well. And way before that also, there are so many great races to recall. So Hungarian GP, I mean, it might not be a good circuit to pass on, but that doesn't mean we do get a bad show at the end. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, we are obsessed with this overtaking metric and we often forget the battles that happen before an overtake actually happens or is about to happen. And that's what gets us more excited as fans, right? Going, you know, watching drivers go wheel to wheel like uh, Fernando Alonso case in point last year, I think for 11 laps, he kept Lewis Hamilton behind and helped Esteban Ocon go and win his first race and Alpine's first race since like eternity. So I am looking forward to those kind of wheel-to-wheel battles. Will the battles be even more fun given that these cars are able to follow each other a little bit better than the ones that we used last year? Maybe so, but it is a very iconic circuit somewhere. You know, another thing that uh, we will hear this weekend is a lot of drivers have already been saying it's like driving... Uh, on a go-kart circuit you know it's tight it's twisty it's bumpy lots of directional changes and uh, it's got slow speed corners but it's also got a fair bit no, fair number of high speed corners as as well so it's a, it's a very interesting layout i would say and uh, you know mercedes has given very interesting numbers they said out of the 75 seconds you spend on a lap out here on a fast lap just about 10 seconds are on the straight and 65 seconds are spent cornering right so it's a it's a very interesting way to look at a circuit and even though hungary is one of the shortest uh, you know circuits on the calendar the distance from pole position to you know the braking zone for turn one is actually uh, one of the longest of the year. It's all it's four hundred and forty-four meters. If you're a Lewis Hamilton fan and forty-four appeals to you, this is one more four before or after the forty-four. So it's it should be it should be an exciting race either way. I mean, uh, 
and you know talking of strategy couple of things that will come into effect here the heat it's again very hot uh you know one stopper is normally what you'd look at but like you pointed out somel you can do a two stopper because there is actually very little to choose from between a one and a two stop and we don't normally see a safety car come out in hungary somel yeah and that could be very very interesting because if we do end up having one strategy could be a proper mixed ball at the end of the day but it's amazing we have so many factors to bring in and on saturday we could potentially even have rain so that could mix things up even more but we heard a few stats from f1 stats guru sundaram previously we spoke about the track and how the driver in third place usually has a bit of an advantage over the driver in second in terms of qualifying and then the results to get on the race but what other stats has he got here this weekend so to find that out let's actually go to the stats preview by f1 stats guru sundaram coming up right now Hey folks, it's time to do the stats preview of the Hungarian Grand Prix. My name is Sundaram, also known as the F1 Stats Guru. Let's get straight into the numbers. Now, Lewis Hamilton has the chance of breaking two records this weekend. The first one is for the most poles at a single circuit. Hamilton has eight poles at the Hungaro Ring as well as at Albert Park, and this is a record that he shares with Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher, two absolute legends, who also took eight poles at Imola and Suzuka respectively. This one seems a little less likely but probably he does have a decent chance at a race win going by his and Mercedes's pace in the recent races. If he does win this weekend he'll become the first driver to claim 9 victories at one circuit. Hamilton currently has 8 wins at the Hungaro Ring and also at Silverstone but so does Michael Schumacher at Magnico. But since Mercedes aren't the most dominant team this year, Red Bull will want to re- rewrite some of those history books, especially because they've not won in Hungary since 2014. Max Verstappen has never won this race and has started on the front row just once in seven previous occasions. That was when he took his maiden pole in 2019, but he has a very good, in fact, a great opportunity to fix all those stats this weekend. Lastly, the team that leads the constructors standings after the Hungarian Grand Prix has gone on to win the title in the last 14 years. Now we don't have to wait until Sunday to know who will lead the standings because it'll eventually be Red Bull. They have an 82 point advantage over Ferrari and will go into the summer break as table toppers regardless. Statistically speaking, the odds really favor Red Bull at this point and it's their championship to lose. That was the stats preview of the Hungarian Grand Prix. You can find more such stats on my Twitter and Instagram under the name F1 Stats Guru. I'll see you guys later. Hey folks, welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast. The last person you heard was F1 Stats Guru Sundaram, and he spoke about a very interesting stat about Lewis Hamilton. Now, he said, if you rightly heard, that Lewis Hamilton alone has eight poles at this particular track. and he could potentially if all the stars align this weekend claim the record for the most pole positions at one circuit and if he also wins here he could be the first driver in history to get nine wins at a single circuit but it seems at this moment kunal that that's a bit too far off we can still potentially dream of dream of some place like p2 or p3 potentially because what we saw last weekend was genuine proof that mercedes are getting closer but I mean at the end of the day we still are seeing a big big gap right like 7 tenths in qualifying that is in Paul Ricard so with no straights over here or barely having any straights over here I mean ideally if you hear whatever Mercedes has been saying that their problems actually arise from the straight lines this could potentially mean that Mercedes are a little bit closer this weekend or it could just mean that the bumpiness of the circuit completely takes them away so it's anyone's guess at this particular moment isn't it 
You sound exactly like Toto Wolf in his uh, pre-event uh, release. He said, you know, that uh, Mercedes have actually struggled to match their expectations and reality when it comes to understanding which tracks actually suit the W13. And W13, of course, is the unlucky 13 uh, for, for Mercedes. But yeah, in, in, in all seriousness, could the dreaded word starting from P, porpoising, uh, you know, come back to haunt Mercedes? Or could it be the car bottoming out this weekend, given that it's a very bumpy circuit? And the Hangaro Ring, and I absolutely love the name, I must say that, right? Uh, but yeah, the Hangaro Ring actually was uh, resurfaced a few years ago, but the bumps have actually gradually started to come back. And, you know, the typical circuit surface irregularities are forming again, which is, of course, very natural again. But Somil, I, for one, am not going to jump on the will Mercedes join the battle at the front question for the remaining part of the season, literally. I mean, I may be jumping the gun, but at least not for Hungary. But let's instead actually ask the question, who do you think, Somal, is going to be your eight-sleep uh, performer of the race this weekend? Ooh, that's a tough one, actually. I- I'd love to say Sebastian Vettel, considering the whole circumstance and, uh, and and knowing the fact that it's going to be his last few races of this entire Formula 1 career. So I hope that he gets a good performance in. But logically, I, I really feel that it might be Fernando Alonso, because last year we saw a great performance. And that was just one of his best performances ever, if you'd like to put it that way. The most resilient, the most determined in a car that was just not as competitive as his main rival, Lewis Hamilton, in that particular race. Eventually, he did get past, but the but the amount of time that he did hold up Lewis Hamilton was essentially crucial. But apart from that as well, he's been on a bit of a streak of creating great moments in every single race. In Austria, we had the finger wagging. In France, we had that radio message where he said, oh, let them come on and they will eventually suffer as they try to fight against me. He was talking about the McLarens in that particular case. So I just want to see the streak go on. What new will he come up with? What what new radio message will he potentially come up with? What new action might he potentially do? Might he push someone off the track? Or maybe he restarts the Fernando Alonso train and keeps Lewis Hamilton behind. So I, I'm very curious because Fernando Alonso just brings all the entertainment that I need from my Formula 1 races every single time. So he has to be one of the A-sleep performers of the weekend for me. And it's tough to argue against that because he has actually uh, you know, very successfully qualified out of position in the last several races. And Hungaro Ring, as we spoke about, overtaking strategy actually can help you if you are out. You know, if you are out of your regular qualifying position, right? Uh, but you said Sebastian Vettel. He's not on my list of eight sleep performers this weekend. Sorry, but I am actually going to add him to another list, right? Which is uh, what T-shirt is he going to wear this weekend, and what message is he going to drive? Because let's remember, guys. You know, he's just got ten races of being in the absolute limelight, right? He doesn't have anything to prove, but he has a lot to convey, a lot to fight for. His his T-shirt activism has been very, you know, very, very interesting in the last few seasons. So I'm excited to see what he wears. But what Kevin Magnussen's car is going to wear this weekend, it's one of, the, one of Haas's major upgrades of the season that's uh, sort of coming in this weekend. Gunther Steiner has said that the car visibly looks different. It's only for Magnussen's car. And remember in France with the old spec car, Magnussen was anyway in Q3. 
he has one more power unit in his pool as well, which is again a strategic penalty. So I'm excited to see what Magnussen can do in that Haas. But the question has to be asked, right? How could the Schumachers, how could Ferrari allow for Haas's upgrade to be given to Magnussen and not to make Schumacher Sommel? Perhaps they decided all the way back at the start of the season that they wanted to maybe prefer Kevin Magnussen getting that. So maybe it might be some sort of agreement. But yeah, it's absurd because it seems like Mick Schumacher is the one with more momentum. But let's actually wait and see if the difference is evident because upgrades only seem like upgrades on paper, right? You you can't really tell how effective they might eventually end up being. So I'm very interested to see how that works out. And hopefully it kind of solves the heating issue because as we all saw last weekend, extreme heat kind of makes the house not really friendly to the, to great lap times. And that was a bit of an issue last time out in France where both the house drivers had to box very early. And apart from the rain on Saturday, it is expected that it will be searing hot in Hungary on Sunday. So another thing to watch for. And luckily for us, a dry race, which means that we can possibly see if Ferrari and Red Bull Racing are on level terms right now and what sort of upgrades have they brought and how things work out in their favour as well. So it's just lining up to be a good weekend on the whole, isn't it? It is, and that's the one thing I would love to predict, that we will have a Ferrari versus Red Bull. Uh, because, you know, frankly speaking, that's one thing that we've not got, or we've been robbed several times over. Yes, we had it in Austria, but in France, we don't know if Leclerc would have won uh, on a single stop or if Max would have been pushed into a two-stop or what or not. So I am definitely going to predict that we will have a Ferrari versus Red Bull racing this weekend. And I'm going to give it to Binotto. I think we're going to have a Ferrari 1-2. And Samuel, you'll be not pleased to know that it's not going to be Charles. It's not going to be Carlos who will take P1, but Charles who takes P1 for me with Carlos in P2. I'm still going to stay on the Carlos side straight. I I want to see more wins. I'll, I'll be honest, it's been a couple of races since he actually won. And the dog downstairs is actually really annoyed about that, as you can hear. But it doesn't feel like Carlos Sainz is a Grand Prix winner. And that that never feels great, right? You want to see him back, back his own ability up and back his own momentum up. So I hope that this weekend is where we actually get things right. And hopefully Ferrari are able to fight, not just for the sake of Ferrari, but just for the sake of a great championship battle. So that's my prediction. I'm still going for Carlos Sainz, but... That's with the heart. The mind says Max was happened. But what are your predictions, folks? That is what I want to know right now. And you can let us know that on your social media handles. Reach out to us through our social media profiles, which will be down in the description. But in case you liked this episode, which I hope you did, if you've read so far, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to share this episode. And don't forget to be back on Monday for the Hungarian GP review as well. So thanks for watching, folks. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy this weekend and I hope you enjoy the time that Sebastian Vettel has to spend in Formula 1. Bye-bye.